what we're going to do, so I'm excited to see what we come up with. But after this service, if you want to get involved with what we're doing here, if you want to be a part of it and contribute by serving, we have a serving meeting immediately following service. So you can stay right in here in the chapel, and we'd just be so honored and excited to have you. I believe that you all have something to contribute to what we're doing here, and we want to give you an opportunity to do that and contribute. So stay after this service, and I will be back next week when we're watching Finger of God 2, which is going to be awesome. I'll see you guys. Love you. What's up? Fusion, what's going on? Squad! <laughs> What's going on? Got my squad in here. Everybody doing good? Gang, gang? Hey, uh, whew, well, I'm still, uh, I'm still on worship right now, man. Boy, power his presence. Building his life upon the rock. Boy, man. But I'm going to go ahead and get into this thing. So, before I get started, I have some special guests in the building that I want to invite up to the stage. Y'all give it up for the South Korea Mission Trip team. So if you don't know, we have mission trips that come out of Fusion. Uh, we went to the Philippines, Nicaragua, Ireland. Uh, what's some other, other places? Anybody went anywhere else? Chicago, we did Chicago trip. Well, we did LA, what, two, three years ago? So everybody can see these beautiful faces here. And uh, Eric and Joel Cha will be leading this trip to South Korea. So what we do, uh, please be on the lookout. We got some mission trips coming out in 2019, and we'll be letting you, letting you know about that as well. Um, but what we love to do is before they leave, we like to pray for them. Uh, and this is crazy because this is the first time Victory has ever went to South Korea. For a mission trip team. So, man, this is going to be amazing. Y'all give it up for them. And to let you know a few things that they'll be doing, uh, they'll be taking care of some disabled people. They'll be serving them, some unwed uh, women, uh, their children, homelessness. Uh, they got some outreaches going on. And a lot, some of their money that they actually put on this trip goes out into missions as well for South Korea. So that's just amazing. But what I want to do for this moment right here. Uh, I want you guys to extend your hands, and we're going to pray a blessing over them. They're actually leaving tomorrow night. And uh, they said there's some hurricane coming through, and we're praying right now that that does not stop them. That does not stop what God is going to do for them to be in South Korea and give them Jesus. So let's all pray. Just extend your hands. Father God, we just thank you, Father, for resources. God, we thank you for uh, allowing us to just go out into the world, God. Going into South Korea, Lord, we pray right now. Over each individual, God, we pray right now the blood of Jesus over them, God. We pray protection right now. We pray your grace and mercy over each and every one of them right now, God. I pray that you just fill them up in this moment. God, we pray against any storm that can stop them from not going. God, we know what you have for them right now, God, because you have ordained this day way before we was even born, God. And they was going to go to South Korea and give people Jesus. They were going to give people Jesus, God. So we just pray right now. We pray for healing. God, we pray that, Lord, things just happen. I pray that they come together right now i pray that a family is being built right here out of these people right here on this stage god father we just pray that your spirit just moves i pray the fire of god over them right now 
strike it right now, Father, that, Lord, that you're going to do an amazing work in South Korea, God, right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all give it up for him. All right. So I'm going to jump right into it. So I got a question for everybody. Now, they say Atlanta is a place where most people that's here in Atlanta is not from Atlanta. Is that correct? Most people are not from Atlanta. So who in here is not from Atlanta? Everybody. Everybody. Somebody said Jersey. Where else? BX Bronx, Terra Squad, Brooklyn. Where else? Oh, Arizona. Boy, ain't nothing but dry heat over there, boy. Any other places? Say Chicago. Okay, okay, cool. So, Miami. I ain't going to name all the spots now. Come on now. Every, every place but Atlanta. How about that? So tell me, what, what got you to Atlanta? What brought you here? Work? School? Any other? Relationships, probably? What's that? Parents? Parents brought you here? The weather? Oh, you love the weather out here? Where you from? Miss, ooh, yeah, it's cold out there, boy. It's icy out there. So the thing about it, when I think about us, and knowing that how we actually came here. But what's the reason of why we came? Because of certain situations and how things actually changed. But when you think about it, could I ask you, so if you probably moved here, what, five, ten years ago, ten years ago, would you think you would be living here in Atlanta? No? Did someone legit, like, this was a goal? Like, hey, I want to live in Atlanta for the rest of my life. That's, that's you? You always want to come to Atlanta? See? No, we ain't talking about you. See? You, you from here, born and raised. But, see, there y'all go. Go ahead, ATL, y'all stand up. Stand up. So the thing that I, I think about when we talk about how you actually came here, why you came here, um, and to think back to know that, you know, that's probably, if you think about it five years from now, ten years from now, you probably wouldn't be here. Myself, I never thought I'd be in Atlanta. Honestly, I hated Atlanta. I'm from the country. I'm from the hood. We got two lanes, not eight. We got stop signs, not interstates. You feel me? Like, so I'm, I'm real, like, I'm country. But the thing is, it's a lot of things that got me to a place where I, why I didn't want to come to Atlanta. My dream was I wanted to go to L.A. I've been to L.A. a few times. I'm an actor, so I got a lot of work out there. Did a lot of connections and all of that. But what I wanted was L.A. But as you can see, I'm actually here. So when I think back of me not wanting to come to Atlanta and now that I'm here, there's a lot of things that got me to this place of not wanting to come here. And I want to share a little story to you. So when on my 21st birthday, I decided I want to come to Atlanta. Never been to Atlanta. Listen to a lot of rap music. Jeezy talk about uh, all the strip clubs. Gold Room, all that kind of stuff. T.I. talking about flying down 285. I want to fly down 285. You know what I'm saying? So it's like when you talk about all these spots, you know, Jeezy and them talk about Lenox Mall. I want to go to Lenox. I want to see what's in Lenox. Again, I'm from the country. We got Costa Grand Mall, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's all we got. So I wanted to step in and, and, and you know, try to check out Atlanta and see what's going on. So first time ever coming to Atlanta. I got a hotel, me and my brother, we excited, you know, it's my 21st birthday, ready to turn up, and we get to the hotel, get my keys, and 
you know, just to let you know, I was, I was out there back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Just, just to be real. And we see two, we see two girls uh, on the balcony. And I'm like, we're about to be straight. We're going to have a ball, man. So we went ahead and got our keys. You know what I'm saying? We're going upstairs. And I'm walking. I said, you know, I'm going to tell her something. You know what I'm saying? Try to see what's up. Well, we got a little close. I'm out of here. I wasn't, I wasn't a girl. I, first time ever in my life. I, I'm from the country. We don't see stuff like that. You hear about it, but you don't see stuff like that. And because that was the first time I've ever seen it, that put something inside of me. You know, I went to South Carolina State, and it's, it's nothing wrong with it, but I understand that, you know, a lot of people live those, those lifestyles. And what that did in me was, you know, it got me to a point where I didn't want to be around those people. I didn't want to speak to those people and all that kind of stuff, but know that I didn't have Jesus at that time. And to me, to form this, this thing in my mind to say I would never come to Atlanta because of one experience, I didn't fully know the, the, the issues and the things that people of, of those lifestyles were living, the lies that they believed. And to know that the fuel to the fire of me hating them got them to a place to continue the lifestyle that they was living. But I thank God for a relationship with Christ and knowing now how I can love these people. But at the time, I really didn't know that. So because of that experience, I said I would never move to Atlanta a day in my life. Now, as an actor, when I graduated school, I went to L.A., then I came here to Atlanta, and I was actually filming a TV show. And every other, every other week, I was coming here to film the TV show The Game on BET. And I would travel a lot and you know, get, get a little tired of it, and it was one time where I would always say when I come up here, I would never move here. Never move here. I work here. I live in L.A. That's it. But it was a time where I was, I had filmed uh, an episode of the game. I did uh, Dumb and Dumber 2 and a Life Jenner music video, and I was coming back to South Carolina. And this was my wrestle with God moment. I was in the car for five hours, and legit, he was telling me, I want you to live in Atlanta. And I kept, no, I'm not going to live in Atlanta. I don't want to. Giving them every reason why I don't want, I'll work here, but I don't want to live here. To a point where by the time I got home, I said, you know what, God, if you give me another opportunity to come here, I'll think about it. Because I legit don't want to come. That was a Sunday. Monday came. I got a, uh, got a call from BT again, the game. And the cast director was like, hey, Erskine, just want to know your availability for this week because we want to bring you back on the show this week. And I said no. Why did I say no? Like, and I'm going to tell you the reason why. It's real stupid. So this is my first year out of school, and I wanted to go to my homecoming game. I wanted to stunt. I wanted to chill. I wanted to see everybody show off a little bit and not film. Didn't even think about the conversations that I was already having with God about coming to Atlanta. So in 15 minutes after I hung up the phone with them, they called me back and said, well, what if we change the shoot date to next week? And I'm sitting here like, what? You're going to change it to next week for me? Bro, I'm, I ain't nobody. I got a small role on it. Like, so you legit going to change? That wasn't them changing it for me. It was God trying to show me that he wanted me to come to Atlanta. And then it hit me like, dang, he, 
I did say if you give me another opportunity, I'll think about it. And see, back then I was really mature, so God had to show me stuff in signs. He don't show me signs no more. But it's, it's to a place where I legit was like, all right, I'll go. I transitioned myself from being in South Carolina to Atlanta. Yes, I was in school and, and, and all those different things, but it got to a place where I was in a place where it wasn't familiar for me. Honestly, when I first moved down here, I was scared. But by taking that step and being obedient with God, it, it showed me full circle of where I am now. When I made that decision, didn't really know that this would actually happen. If you would ask me five years ago, would I come to Atlanta? I'd say no. If you asked me five years ago, would I be working for a church? I'll say no. But God took asking to show me Atlanta. Atlanta to show me what he had for me. Show me what he had for me to break me. He broke me, then showed me what victory looked like. Then showed me what victory looked like to what Victory World Church looks like. Then get me to a place where I, I got in community and I started serving. And then I started serving God to the highest level. Never knew that all those pinpoints that I was making, that that's what God had for me. And I feel like this word is, is, is a right now word. It's something for each and every one of us right now because we're actually all going through a transition right now. And to bring up the, the biggest transition that we're actually going through in this ministry is the transition of David and Amber. Now, as you, if you don't know, David and Amber is no longer pastors here. And Vance Smith is our pastor. You saw him on the screen. And to know through transition, there's a lot of things that happen with that. Some things are good. Some things are bad. But when, when transitions are ordained by God, they're necessary. When, when God speaks, we have to listen. We may not know the outcome, but we have to take that step. We, we have to be obedient. But one thing about it, like I go back to my story, I didn't know that I'll be placed here. So by, be, by being obedient to coming to Atlanta, I, I, I reap the, the, the benefits of everything that I put in prior. So by David being obedient to God and transitioning out and, and feeling like this, this season of his life was done here, God has something far much beyond what he can ever think of imagine for later. See, Vance, you can ask Vance a year ago, he probably would have never thought that he would be a pastor of Fleet or church, ministry. Like, But the thing is, because he was doing what he had to do and taking the right steps, it happened. And he was sensitive to it. And by being sensitive to it in transition, God will make a way. But one thing that I feel like in this transition of things, we have to position and posture ourselves in a way in transition. There's certain things that we have to do as young adults to show, like, how can we truly get to a place to know how to actually move in transition? Not just now, but position ourselves before, during, and after. So I, I truly feel that this message is not just for, okay, our ministry or whatever, but it's legit. We go through transitions now. See, the definition of transition is the process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. And one thing that you have to realize and why I feel like this word is for us, because as young adults, we have the biggest age gap of transition. Think about it. Fusion is from 18 to 30. I'll say 35. 
But if you're 36, you got to transition out. Okay. But you look at 18 to 35. You go from high school to college. You go from capital to fusion. Shout out to the fusion freshmen. Gang, gang. You got high school to college. And then sometimes you don't get your first job until you're probably in college. Some people don't get get a job in high school. So then you go from job to careers. And throughout that time, you're in relationships, but you really don't know what you're doing. You're just playing around, don't really have no vision for it. But now you're starting to build some foundation around you. Now you're dating. You go from dating to that person being your fiance. Here you go. Your fiance to being your spouse. Spouse to parent. And even in the 18 to 35 range, there's still divorce. Yeah, that's not something that we support, but that's just stating facts. There are people that's from 18 to 35 who has divorced probably once or twice. That's sad. But the thing is, I feel like this word is timely because us as young adults, we have to get to a place to truly know how to transition. We have to learn how to transition well to properly position ourselves before during and after. So throughout position, position is a place where someone or something is located or has been put in a particular way in which someone or something is placed or arranged. So as a having a position, you get to a place where you're actually placing things where they need to be, to be organized. When you have a position, you have a role, you have certain responsibilities that you have to have to accomplish that goal. And when I think about Positions, different positions make a team. So I played football in college, so I'm thinking football. A lot of different positions make one team. And for your people that don't know about football or whatever, we have something on the screen that's going to show you different positions here. Pull your attention to the screen. So you see wide receivers, you see tackles, guards, centers, quarterbacks, fullbacks, running backs, defense side, you got tackles, you got ends, linebackers, all of that. One team is defense, one team is offense. But the thing is, through this, they all are positions. But what you don't understand is sometimes when circumstances and things happen, those positions change. So for my fellas, y'all know what time it is. If the quarterback throws an interception, that quarterback doesn't, is no longer a quarterback. He got to be a, a linebacker. Why? Because he has to tackle whoever caught that ball. Roles switch. But you got to think, you have to play your position until things change. You got to move. See, one thing about it is an offensive lineman no longer have to block, he has to tackle. When you do a kickoff, the kicker, if the, ki if the uh, person who receives the kick gets more than 40 yards, the kicker is no longer a kicker. He got to be a defensive player. He got to make a play. But if we don't do the things in our position correctly, what happens? We lose the game. It's broken. Broken systems. When we don't truly position ourselves the right way where God wants us to, things will crumble. Things will fall. What I'm saying is depending on the position that you are playing for this long time may have to shift. Depends on what's going on around you. It may have to switch up. Do something more or do something less. Position yourself for the success in what God is calling you to do. Transition is a team effort. But one thing about transition being a team effort, we all have to buy in. 
honestly, for us to truly be successful as a ministry, we have to embrace transition. We have to embrace the things that are actually going on because if you don't buy in, you're bought out. You have to buy in. But it all starts from the voice of God. We don't truly just move because that's something that we feel and it's an emotion and we're trying to act off that. No, legit, God has to show us what we have to do. See, the origin of transition is transire, which is Latin, what means to go across. When we have to go across to something, you have to understand in going across, sometimes there's things in the way. It's an expression or a movement over place or reason. Either you're moving across the street or going across a bridge. Whatever the case may be, you have to go into a direction. But understanding when I go across here, I have to make a different step. When I have to see something in a way, I have to kind of maneuver in a way where I can actually get across. We have to properly position ourselves in a way so we can overcome and be successful in transition. But sometimes we, we don't truly do what we need to do because the, 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 the key piece of that is we have to go. You can't go across something and stand and still at the same time. If God calls us to move, we have to move. A lot of times, I, I hear Stephen Furtick says all the time, we're always waiting on a move from God. When we are a move from God, God moved in the beginning. So it's our time to move now. And while we're moving, he's moving alongside of us. But we have to truly understand that we have to go, but go in faith. So have anyone in here ever played the game Connect the Dots? Y'all know what Connect the Dots is? Y'all tell? Tell me what it is, man. You know how you say, yeah, I know what it is. Well, what is it? Tell me what it is. There you go. Yeah, there you go, Eric. Yeah, no, 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 no. yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in this game of connected dots, you know, it's something I used to play. It's, you know, it's a lot of dots and it's numbers on a paper. And sometimes in connected dots, it can be real easy. Like this image. What is that, everybody? A bear? Come on, there ain't no bear. Sasha, you said bear. I heard you. I ain't gonna lie, I had to think about it like twice. I was like, I think that's a mouse. That's a mouse with a little cane, a little candy cane or something like that. So in, in playing Connected Dots, first thing you have to do is find number one. You have to find point number one and then go up to two, to three, to four, to five, to six, and so on. See, in easy images like this, we legit don't even have to use the numbers. You legit look at, oh, that's a mouse. I don't know exactly what a mouse looks like. Boom, 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 boom. Through the feet and all that kind of stuff, boom, it's done. You don't have to look at the direction of where you have to go because it's easy. But then sometimes you get some images like this. Now, if anybody can tell me what that is, I ate. I said dinosaur too. <laughs> Tess said it was a squirrel. <laughs> So if you look, you got to think about it now. When I look at this image, the first thing I saw was whoever did it gave up. You stopped at 22 and said, man, I don't even know what this is, bro. I don't even feel like going no more. So one thing I want to point out, 
22 is here. 23 is below. 24, 25, then you kind of loop back up. So I think the person who did this didn't even see what 23 was. But the thing is, this, this picture right here, this image, is how life is. A lot of times, we may know how to make the first couple steps. Or sometimes when we get into a place where we don't see what God is actually making out of me, you stop. Bruh got at 22 and stopped. How many times have y'all got to 22 and stopped? How many times I got to 22 and stopped? Plenty of times. Boy, I, hey, don't got time for it. But the thing is, when you truly take your time, go from step to step, not under, I'm telling you, 22, 23, 24, 25, like they had no idea what was going on. But you have to go across. You got to keep moving. Because eventually you're going to see a picture of something so amazing. One thing about it is, what happened? What y'all trying to do? Oh, y'all trying to see it? Go ahead and put it back up there. <laughs> y'all know what that is? Huh? Are you trying to tell me? I don't know. I didn't live that life. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. That is, see, that's what's wrong with you. You're looking at other people's papers and wanting to do their life. Come on, now. You got to stay on your own paper. And I put it up there, and I don't even know what it is. I was the person that stopped at 22. But what I'm saying is, like, sometimes in life, that's where we are. Why is it that that number is pointing here and there, and now we get to a place where we don't understand, and then we just give up? What I'm trying to say, Fusion, is sometimes God is calling us to go across without full, detailed instructions. And he wants us to follow him and follow the steps one number at a time. Allow his voice to lead us and not worry about anything. We have to get to a place to truly know the steps that are ordained by God and what he wants us, not what other people want us. We can't look at other people's lives and say, you know what, I want to live that life. What if God is calling you to something greater, but it just doesn't look like it right now? So I feel like when I break down this piece of transition, this is something that um, I legit feel that this is a message. This is the first message that I have ever had to preach where I'm still struggling in it. So I'm not just preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to me, too. See, the thing about it, when we talk about transitions, and again, the biggest transition that we're facing right now, to be honest with you, I'm still going through a lot. I'm still trying to process a lot of things with the transition that we did here. But one thing that I have peace in, I heard from the Lord. And I know God is doing some amazing things on both sides. Crazy thing is, this is me grieving. Why? Because I look like David. Through my Nike zone. Holes in my pants. Y'all know David look like this every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Then I'm up every Tuesday. But this is my grieving process. Because I miss my boy. Got to think about it. Like, he, you know, he's probably been pastoring y'all more than he's pastoring me. I've been in Fusion going on four years. But the thing is, is because he had to do what God called him to do, 
we have to understand that it doesn't just affect you, it affects the people around you. So not only does that person have to properly position themselves, but the people around them have to properly position themselves. So when I think about this story, when I think about transition, I feel the best story that comes to mind is the ancestor Abel. Everybody know the story about Abraham? Do y'all? Yes. Yes. So we, we like to talk about all the other things with Abraham and how, you know, he didn't, you know, they laughed and didn't get the son and all this kind of stuff. He sacrificed his other son, but then he didn't. And then God said no and all this other stuff. But I feel like through the parts that we don't read, which is like the beginning part, not the real interesting pieces. I feel like there are five positions of power in transition. See, when I think about this story and give you a little backstory, so Abram, you know, his name was Abram, and now he, uh, he became Abraham. His father's name was Terah, brother named Haran, and his nephew was Lot. He was wealthy. See, back in the days when you had bread, you had about a million cows, 8,000 chickens, and all those things you can actually use for money. But one thing that I don't think a lot of people know about Abram is he believed in multiple gods. And it's like, how you the father of faith, the, the, the father of many nations, but you believe in God and everybody else. I feel that that's something that people need to know, that God will use anybody. He's using Muslims. He's using atheists. Anybody you can possibly think of, he's using them and having a great work for them. So when we break down this, I want to go to Genesis, what is it, Genesis 12, 1 through 9. And I, I want to break this down for you. Genesis 12, 1 through 9. So it says, the Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. When I look back at this scripture, I had to look at the chapter before, the chapter after, and throughout. Did not understand how God just came on the scene and says, I want you to do this. Leave everything that you know. Legit, if God told you right now, leave everything you know, what y'all going to do? You going to wrestle with him. Bro, you sure you want me to leave everything? You know what I'm saying? And, and you got to think about it. Yes, he gave some things before that, but... The thing about it is what we, we, we get to the place of God said that he was going to build humanity up again through Abram. When we think about the fall in, in the beginning with uh, Adam and Eve eating the apple, uh, everybody going crazy. And then God said, you know what? I have to start this thing over. Told Noah, get everybody in the boat, build your boat, and I'm going to start this thing over. He started it with the descendants of Noah, which is Abram. So in this process of God saying these things. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go into the land that I will show you. When someone says something like that, I got to think about something. So that comes to my first point. There's power in the position of process. When God speaks about this, when he even spoke about me coming to Atlanta, I had to process that. Like, why do you want me to go to Atlanta? And it's not to, to process it in a way where you're trying to talk yourself out of it, but you legit need to get with God to know exactly what he has for you. A process is a series of action and steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. 
There are steps that you have to take in order to process what God is actually saying. But it's also the people that's around you who's helping you process. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll talk to our homies or whatever, and then we start getting to this place of, did God really say that? Or did, are you saying that? Is you saying this out of your emotions? But we have to truly get before God and process what he's actually telling us. Later it says, the real piece of what got him to that place to, to really feel what God was saying. He said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous. You will be a blessing to others, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Bro, that's a crazy promise. If God said all of that to me about coming to Atlanta, I would have been gone. He didn't say that to me. But the thing is, that was seven promises. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. Bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's a heavy calling, a big responsibility. But see, those seven promises that God made to know that he was rebirthing what was going on in the earth and create humanity all over again through Abram. See, seven means completion. And I feel that he is completing the work that he did in the beginning when sin even came into the world. So he's truly getting to this place where he gave Abram these seven promises to say, I'm going to start this world over with you and your family. So we go down later on. It says, so Abram departed as the Lord instructed. Of course he would. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household. Abram traveled through the land of Shechem, and then he came up to the camp beside the Oak of Moab. And at this time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appealed, appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated to the Lord who appeared to him. So through what God was saying, he spoke again and he actually appeared this time. It didn't say that he appeared before. So go to my next point. There's power in the position of presence. There's power in the position of presence. See, presence is the fact or state being existing and occurring or being present to a place or thing. God's presence is with us. His Holy Spirit is with us. And he legit wants us to sit with him. And with Abram putting this, uh, building this altar for him, he was sacrificing what he had for the Lord. Because he actually came down to speak to him. But what I feel as young adults, we, we take God's presence and we substitute it with podcasts. We substitute it for pizza. Yeah, that hurt, and it hurt me because I do the same thing. Sometimes we like to substitute God's presence with sitting on the couch and watching Mike Todd. And that's, that's my homie. But the, I do it too. You follow me on Instagram, biblical brunch, biblical breakfast, that's me. 
I legit say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and watch me a message, you know, go ahead and get with God, and then I'm going to go ahead and do what I need to do. But God said, nah, bro, come here. Sit down. It ain't about podcasts or videos or people. It's about pages. Legit, like, put, no, put your phone down. Get You got three Bibles in Read it. I'm like, dang, man, I want him to read it. Read it there long story. I press, press play. Read. Follow along. Nah, bro. Presence. The thing about it, man, we, we have to get to a place where if we truly, if God is going to show up and show out in our lives, we have to really position ourselves in his presence. We have to. You have to truly understand what God is saying. And there's nothing against podcasts and, and, and people and all that kind of stuff, but do not substitute it for his presence. Whatever that may look like for you. One thing that helps me is I legit will sit down for 15 minutes and just let God speak. No phone, nothing. After prayers, I would just sit there and say, God, I said all I had to say to you. Now you can speak. 15 minutes is a long time when you ain't doing nothing. And he don't talk to me until about minute 14. <laughs> but he spoke. And when he speaks, it's so powerful. Why do you think he built an altar when God came in his presence? When he came in God's presence? He had to sacrifice what he had. And it says, after that, Abram traveled south and set up camp at the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. Then he built another altar and dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued to travel south down the stages of Negev. Abram did not stop moving. A lot of times God speaks once, and we do that step, and we do nothing else at all. We go back to the beginning. It says, the Lord said to leave everything and I will show you what the land is. God didn't say nothing about this. He said, I will give this land to your descendants. But what he did was he kept going. The move of God. So we go later on and we get to this place where, and I'm going to paraphrase it. In Genesis, let's see, it's Genesis 12, verse 10. So we, we talk about like how Abram had all the promises. God had already got him to this place to know exactly who he was, what he was going to get. And then we go down here where he legit made a mistake. At this time, a severe famine in the land of Canaan forced Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. And he was approaching the border of Egypt and Abram said to his wife, baby girl, you are so fine. Baby, you, you just look so good. So when the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, that's his wife. Let's kill her. Let's kill her. Then we can have her. So, please, please, baby, please, baby, please, tell them that you my sister. Y'all think I'm lying. It's up there. Tell them that you're my sister. Now, I, I want to really break that down. Like, women, how would you feel if your, your husband did that? Well, that bring up all kind of stuff up in you, boy. Woo! 
Come on now. But note this. By doing things like this in the beginning, why do you think Sarah was acting the way she acts later on? Fellas, that's, that's what it is. You got to think about the things that have actually happened then to build such this, this animosity in her to where she did what she did. So it says here, baby, you baby, you very beautiful. Let's see. Uh, when the Egyptians see you, tell them that they're going to save your wives. Let's kill them. So please tell them that you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of the interest of you. Bro, you a sellout, bro. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarah's beauty, saw how fine she was, you know what I'm saying, all of that stuff. And what happened? Can y'all guess what happened? Lied. When the place, when the place officials saw her, they sung her praises to Pharaoh, their king. And Sarai was taken into a place. Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh gave Abram gifts because of her. Sheep, goat, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, camels. Bro got straight for saying that was his sister. But the Lord sent a terrible plague toward Pharaoh into his household because of Sarah, Abram's wife, not his sister. So got to a place, what did you do to me? He demanded. What did you tell, why did you tell him that, you, that that was your wife, that that wasn't your wife? Why did you say that? This, this is my sister. Why did you say that? And allow me to take her as my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her. Get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them and sent Abram out of the country along with his sister and all his possessions. There's power in the presence of pronunciation. Sorry about that. Number three, there's power in the position of pronunciation, of how you say things, what you're actually saying. How you're pronouncing, pronouncing your words to other people, pretending, lying that that was your sister. Crazy thing is, if you think back to the promises that God had already said for him, it didn't matter. He said that he will curse those who curse you. So if, if Pharaoh did try to jump stupid, God was going to do what he needed to do. But we don't think about that. See, and I'm saying that because I already know the story. But legit. God can say what he's going to do, but we still live a life where we don't act like the things he actually said he would do for us. So we, we go back and to understand, like, really, what are we truly saying to people? Like, what are the things that are coming out of our mouth? Are we truly proclaiming life or death? Are we speaking these things to one day things will uproot inside of them to where they'll hate you? Say certain things and get you to sleep with the, the help. And not truly trust God in the process of the things he said that he would do. We have to get to this place to truly understand how to actually speak about the things that's going on in our lives. We have to pronounce prosperity. The promises that God says. Even when we forget, we have to sometimes put those things over ourselves. Speak those things over other people. And to know that God is going to move if we pronounce what's going on in our lives. 
So now we go later on into a next chapter. And this is Genesis 13, 5 through 8. It says, Lot, who was traveling with him, Lot is his nephew. He was traveling with Abram and also became very wealthy with his flocks and his sheep and goats and herd of cattle and everybody else and all that other stuff. But the land could not support both of them. The land could not support Abram and Lot with all of their flocks and their herds living so close together. So a dispute broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. And finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow our conflict to come between us and our herdsmen. And after what we are close relatives. My fourth point, there's power in the position of proximity. They didn't do anything wrong. But sometimes when transition happens, we may have to leave what's familiar to us. It may be family, it may be friends, it may be a ministry. But if God said it, that's how we need to position ourselves. We have to understand proximity is the nearness in the space and time in relationship. That was his nephew. You think back, you got to understand, Abram didn't have kids. So I would say that Lot was like his son. He loved him. He took care of him. But at the same time, he knew that these things could not happen. So they had to go apart. And it's later on where he says, well, you know, you can have any side of the land, wherever you want to go. And the one thing about it was Lot, he kind of peeped the scene and was like, yeah, okay, well, I don't say I can go ahead and get anything I want. So I'm looking. I'm like, man, well, that, this area look kind of good over here. So the thing is, I, I think back to that. When people say, hey, man, you can get whatever you want, what's the first thing you do? You ain't thankful for just getting whatever. Oh, man, appreciate it. You looking to see, shit. That cake look big. That one small. I don't want that one. You see, what? No, nah, that, that one look kind of good. Or what? You processing. But being thankful for whatever you get. But the thing about it was, Lot actually chose something that was bad. Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the area he went and how a- Abram had to actually save him in that. So the thing is, once you're really in a place and truly leaving that, like, you'll never have to go through those situations again. Understanding there's positioning in the process of of close proximity of whoever's around you. So I ask you, like Susan, who's around you? It may be good people, it may be bad people, whatever, but you got to understand you have to evaluate your circle. Understand we're in transition right now. So we may have to leave what is familiar. We may have to get to a place to move out of these comfortable spots. Remove these people out of our lives. But it's not a thing of just like, oh, okay, you feel like they're not doing this, so you're going to, no, you got to consult with God. Speak to him about the people that need to leave out of your life. You got to get to that place to truly know what God is actually doing. So you, you really get to this biggest thing, and, and to, to close, the, the, the last one is what, something that I kind of keep talking about is the is power and the position of pliancy. Pliancy is being obedient, yielding to the Lord 
being flexible, bending to what God is actually calling us to do. There's a lot of things in our lives where we legit don't want to bend because we're scared we're going to break. But there's a type of position that we have to have into knowing to truly be bent for God. We have to truly get to this place to know, man, I'm going to do whatever God calls me to do. And it may be uncomfortable if he calls me to try to come up in front of him. I'm going to make it happen. Why? Because he called me to it. But I look stupid right now, don't I? Look dumb. But it don't matter. Because I got out of there. See, and sometimes when we bend, it's people that's looking at us and saying, bro, you look stupid. Well, get, get from under that dang on podium. Why you look dumb? But it's a posture that we need to have to regardless. We have to properly position ourselves. And when through that, you, you get to a place of knowing that you have to be obedient. You have to be obedient and, lo- and to know that to get to this place of, uh, of to bend and to really get with God is being obedient. So we go to Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. And it, it sums up with everything that actually happened here. And it says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And when he reached the land that God promised to him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in a tent. So did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confident and looking forward to the city and the eternal foundation, a city designed and built by God. He had to obey, regardless of what anybody said. Have we truly positioned ourselves to obey what everything God is saying to us? We haven't, because we go back to the connected dots, because we don't truly see the full picture. We're taking these steps and giving up when we can't figure out what this picture is. And we leave. Like, are we truly getting ourselves to a place where we like, God, I don't know what this is. I don't know why you want me to come to Atlanta. I don't know why I'm in this church. I don't know why I decided to serve. I don't know, but I'm just going with the flow. The steps that God had got me to the place of knowing that I never knew that then, five years ago, that I would actually be here. Never in my life would I have thought that, but it was faith. We, we think about it, and to know, going back to the beginning of Genesis, uh, Genesis 12, with him, he believed in multiple gods. Abram believed in multiple gods, but how come he was able to listen to the God? Because he's more powerful than anyone. These other idols and, and the things that we believe in, like, bro, God trumps that all day, every day. To a point where someone who believed in multiple gods even followed him. So if someone like that can follow him, 
and listen to him. We Christians. We serve in one God. So why we can't make those steps? Why we can't make those moves? It's going in faith and knowing that God is going to reward you in the end. So one thing I, I want you to, to leave with is knowing that in transition, we have to posture and position ourselves in a place where we truly have to know that we're hearing from God. It's not about anything else. No one else could probably understand why this actually even happened. But we have to be sensitive to him and not worry about everybody else. Yeah, they may snicker. They may say this. They may say that. I don't understand why he did this or why she did that. It's cool. Move in faith. And you may not even see. You got to think. Man, I think Abraham died when he was 175. And the thing is, he truly didn't, quote unquote, inherit the land because all he had was the, the, the area of where he died in. But his descendants got it. And God still made moves. God still made a way for him. But he had to trust and to know that we truly have to understand where we are in God, how we position ourselves in transition, and to know it's not easy, but it's necessary. So in this moment, I want to pray because through this transition, there's been times where, you know, we, we, we put a group of people together, make sure they're good, make sure they're good, make sure I'm good, whatever the case is. But for the, the season that we're stepping into now as a ministry, as fusion, being new, under new leadership, understanding that God places people in positions. People don't put people in positions. You have to understand that. Vance did nothing to put himself there. He was obedient to God to get himself here. But we have to do the same thing. How are we truly positioning ourselves to when our name is called, we're ready to go? We have to truly position ourselves in the season that we're in. So I want everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes. And I want us to just truly just hear from God right now. Silence. Just clear your mind. And this can be an opportunity where God wants to say something to you. God wants to speak to you in this moment. He wants you to walk out on faith. Understanding transitioning sometimes, maybe transitioning ourselves from an old life to a new life. That may be someone in here today. I remember the moments where I had to transition myself from being a sinner to understanding who the Savior really was. And I don't want people to miss this moment. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, if there's anyone in here today that want to give their life to Christ, rededicate their life to Christ, or truly want more from him, with boldness, just place your hand up. Leanne, I see your hand. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Never want people to miss this moment. This is an opportunity every day, not just on a Tuesday, but a Wednesday, a Thursday. I gave my life to Christ on a plane coming to Atlanta. So you don't have to do it in church. God meets you where you are. 
But thank God that you're here today. So for the people who raised their hand and as a family, we're going to all pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for what you've done for me. You died for me. You rose for me. You gave me a new life, a new heart, and I know that you're my Savior and my Lord. I know that you are the Son of God, and I want to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. So, Father God, we just thank you for this moment. God, we thank you, Lord, for the the word that you gave on today, God. We thank you for taking uh, Abram, God, and breaking down this story and knowing the positions that we need to have in transition. God, we understand that the, the, the positions that you have for us, God, and the stances that we need to take, the postures that we need to have, not only in transition here at Fusion, but in our own lives. There may, may be career shifts, relationships that have to change, moves that need to be made, God, but we want to know how you want us to do it, God. So, Father, right now, God, I thank you for what you've done on today. God, I thank you for the ones who've given their lives to you. God, I thank you, Jesus, to know that your presence is inside of us. God, I thank you, Lord, to know that given us the gift to process things. God, I thank you for the circles that you created around us, God. Father, we thank you right now for who you are, God, and thanking you for the boldness that you place inside of us to be obedient to you. And I pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.